beloved breakers and welcome to the 36th episode of Project Studio D-Break. I am Mike Senior and I'm here with the all-conquering Genghis Khan of Grammy Grudge Matches, John Wynn. A welcome, peons to my domain, quaver and fall at my all-knowing feet, for it is I, John. Hello. I mean, just to fill you in, listeners, right, <laughs> we've had this uh, Grammy Grudge Match going where we went for 10 categories in total. Mm-hmm. I managed, in my infinite wisdom, a massive three <laughs> of those 10. <laughs> yeah, uh, but while, finger on the pulse, youth master, uh, zeitgeist <laughs> inhabiting, I'm the Casper of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. How did I score in there, Mike? Well, you scored five categories, but I mean, there was all sorts of excitement, because we did say that there was going to be a bonus point if you got the winner in the other person's category. Yes, we did. And we both did it <laughs> in both categories. You got best bluegrass and best arrangement, which were mine, and I got best uh, melodic rap performance and best improvised jazz solo. Unfortunately, you also got best melodic rap performance, which slightly took the shine off it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, in fairness, though, there was only one melodic rap performance. Well, there was. It was a shoo-in. The rest were auto-tuned garbage. And I I know how old it makes me sound when I say auto-tuned garbage, but they were auto-tuned garbage garbage. And of course, we agreed on Megan Thee Stallion for Best New Artist. Mm-hmm. Our hive mind appears to have uh, at least chosen those two out of the bunch. <laughs> Although it's worth saying that my um, board-clearing victory still got a full half of my guesses just <laughs> wrong. <laughs> just totally incorrect. But I mean, did Beck need another Best Engineering Grammy? I mean, did Chick Corea need anyone to like really recognise him as a big figure in, in jazz improvisation? Did Billie Eilish need any more Grammys? At the age of 19. Okay, well, that just hurts my soul. I mean, seven of them. (laughs) Oh, deep breath in, deep breath out. There we go. Oh, it'll all be okay. Yeah. She hasn't got a podcast yet. No, no. Just saying. Can only be a matter of time, surely, in uh, her march towards global domination. (laughs) I wonder if podcasts are an old person thing yet. Oh, wow. Because I am technically over 30 now, and I bloody love these things. (laughs) And I don't remember when I was, you know, between 12 and 20, loving a lot of things that 32-year-olds love. Yes, I can see that. I think this might be like the oldies radio stations now. (laughs) Not not just ours, but literally all podcasts. Hey, if we have any young, trendy listeners who kind of maybe (laughs) held on from our TikTok series, let us know. I need that validation. And meanwhile, we'll just go to Otis Redding sitting on the dock (laughs) of a bay. You know him, you love him, ACDC, back in the day, let's go! <laughs> Which actually reminds me of a story. Now, this is it's classic name drop, this. Oh, do, do. Um, I was in the studio very early in my career with Mike Reed, the uh, former radio DJ. Okay. Who famously um, refused to play Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Relax. Why? Well, because he thought it was filthy and well, shouldn't be allowed on the radio. It is. It's absolutely filthy. Well, I know, but there wasn't any reason not to put it on the radio. I mean, look at WAP. <laughs> <laughs> but he said... Said that one of the funniest things he ever heard on the radio was that whenever Otis Redding was played on these like playlist radio channels, mm. of course they would only ever play sitting on the dock of the bay. Right. And there was a request show he heard where someone rang in, was obviously a real Otis Redding fanatic. A deep fan. And said, you know, what would really make my day is my granny's birthday or something. And, you know, what she'd really like to hear is this obscure B-side from an Otis Redding record. <laughs> and the DJ said... Well, you know what? I'll go one better for you. He's sitting on the dock of a bed. Oh, no. 
No. <laughs> oh, just such a classic get out. Oh, God. That killed me. I was a big listener <laughs> to oldies radio when I was about five to ten years old. Mm. And yeah, that opening foley of waves lapping against a shore. I can't think of many songs of that era that start with like ambient soundscapes. <laughs> And then just the bass riff. It's absolutely burned into my head. Did you scan through any of the other winners? I didn't know. I only had eyes for, like, my victories. I just wanted to know where I got points. You see, it's that focused, directed approach that led to victory. Laser focus. (laughs) Absolutely it is. Of course, I mean, you'll be delighted, knowing your views on the lyrics, that uh, Gaga and Grande won for best pop duo (gasps) with Rain On Me. Oh, God, really hurts. (laughs) Anyone who follows um, my word-for-word segment on The Mixed Reviews at themixedreviews.org will know that I had a lot of feelings about Rain and Me. And what I don't think is in the article is that that article took me a solid month. It did, because I kept going back and I kept saying, you know what, no, this is award-winning, this is huge, I am missing something. Surely it means something. Surely it means something. I translated it back into the original Sanskrit. I discovered the fragmented scrolls from which it was drawn. Yeah. Like... In the mixed review, Mike is always one to find the silver lining, and I I, I love that. Mm. When he needed to pinpoint the most exciting thing about this new composition, this (laughs) new foray into music, these two artists with a chance to show the world where pop music was going, he pointed out that the title, Rain On Me, was said at three different speeds. There's a certain amount of reading between the lines you can do on mixed review in that respect. (laughs) I was really interested to find that the uh, shaker in the second chorus was a a highlight. (laughs) The courage to say both rain (laughs) on me and rain on me in the same song. Mm. Heavens, John Cage would spit out his tea. (laughs) With time to reflect and re-listen, it's a dull and boring song and you shouldn't like it. No. Grammy people. And there were other triumphant victories. Uh, did you check out the classical instrumental solo, for example? I didn't even slightly know what, what <laughs> came up victorious. Well, I mean, this was, uh, I think, for a fairly new work by Theophanidis. Oh, yeah? The Concerto for Viola and Chamber Orchestra. <laughs> so a viola player has made it into the best classical instrumental well, solo section. That's just pandering. Come on, come on. <laughs> or do you think it's maybe a comment on the ridiculousness of some of the other winners? <laughs> this has to be a protest vote. I mean, after all, Kate Renata, who we heaped scorn on, won both best dance recording and best dance album. Really? Yep. Oh, okay. And let me spill your cup of tea for you by telling you that Jacob Collier won best arrangement instruments and vocals. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that that is... Best musical theatre album was Jagged Little Pill. Oh, yeah. No, that one I did know, and that one has already hurt me deeply. I mean, do you think this was an April Fool Awards? <laughs> I mean, this is when best contemporary Christian album was Kanye West. No. I, I mean, mm. that is a sentence I never thought I would ever utter or hear uttered. You've heard heard the, the old wives tale about Ed Sheeran, mm. right? Which the, the reason he went such a wide genre spread, especially on his last album, was that so that he would appear on as many playlists as possible in Spotify. I feel like Kanye West has taken that idea and run <laughs> straight off a cliff with it. Do you think he's got a bingo card with all the Grammy categories on it? I think he's got a bingo card for life, Mike. <laughs> I think. And honestly, I think he's winning. I'm not sure who else would even be in the running at this moment. But that was not the biggest disappointment. Ingrid Andres, nominated for Best New Artist and Best Country Album, 
wasn't even nominated for best country song. Oh no! For one of the best songs of the year, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely, and won nothing. She was robbed. Mm. It's enough to make me think that the Grammys have lost touch, and that maybe some slightly younger, slightly hipper, slightly more in touch young bucks. Mm. Need to start their own awards <laughs> Start humble, maybe three categories <laughs> Have them debated in a visible way mm. On a live forum That literally tens of people Have the option of downloading every month <laughs> You know, so the real deserving ones can get awards Billie Eilish can be satisfied with the ones she's got And yeah. Jacob Collier is welcome to submit I could arguably say That the biggest triumph of the Grammy Awards Was actually in the best contemporary blues category. Oh, yeah. Because Fantastic Negrito won again. <gasps> this is his third winning album in that category. I would hate to be another artist in that category. I mean, he's owning the best contemporary blues category. Incredible. I mean, I loved the last record. So much so, in fact, that I contacted the engineer to tell him I loved it. Ah, <laughs> bless your heart. So that was the headline win for me. That's so cool. Oh, yes. And also, uh, while scanning through best traditional pop vocal album, hmm. spotted that Renee Zellweger appears to have been one of the nominees. Wait, really? <laughs> I know! That was exactly my thought! Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Okay, sure. What for? Did you dig any deeper? It's for an album called Judy. Fine. And as it turned out, I could contain my curiosity. <laughs> right, okay, you, you, you managed. <laughs> you succeeded on this occasion. Yeah, yeah. I'm so very glad to hear that. But she was pipped to the post by James Taylor. James Taylor's still doing stuff? <laughs> I know, actually, the further you get down the list, the more you find yourself going, oh... <laughs> Toots and the Maytals are still there. <laughs> you know. This being the first year I've ever kind of properly looked through all the categories, mm. it starts to become clear how people you've never heard of might have 10 Grammys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and 10 well-deserved Grammys. Yeah. I found out that someone I worked with's aunt had an Oscar. Uh, okay. And I was like... Heavens, oh my gosh, who are they? And it turns out that they are a very talented, I want to say colour corrector. Right. Or audio deesser. One of the kind of technical Oscars. Or camera swinger, or whatever. Yeah. And in true English style, the Oscar lives in the bathroom. Well, of course. I mean, that is the only place those things can exist. I heard it summarised so beautifully once. It's, it's actually... <laughs> It's next to the toothbrushes. Mm. So it's not even on its own shelf. It's, it's on the toothbrush thing <laughs> Although, over the sink. this is hysterical because there is one music tech pundit mm. who shall not be named. Mm. <laughs> but he has a pick on the end of his mailing list mail mm. where you can see his desk and his monitors and everything behind him. Mm. And on the desk is something that looks like a Grammy. <gasps> But isn't. Oh, amazing. And it's just the brass neck is outstanding. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. I'm so happy. To be fair, though, I do have a fake gold record. Not that I've got it hung up. But <laughs> What's the story behind that? There was a choir group that I did a record for, mm -mm. and they printed me up a fake gold record for them. Oh, yes. <laughs> for their production. Yes, no, I do remember that. <laughs> I thought it was fun. Such a good idea. Okay. I've got really attached to this idea mm. of a Project Studio Tea Break award. <laughs> okay. Um, but then I think, what does the winner actually receive? Yeah. We could get them a cheap trophy, but that's, I don't know, that feels like it wouldn't even register. Wow. I think, what does an artist enjoy more than someone who's really listened to their music, yeah. really appreciating it? Yeah. And the appreciation is one thing that's in the heart, but to express that, yeah. to have someone describe your work and say, yes, that's what I was going for. You mm. see me, you understand. Now, we happen to know someone who for $20... <laughs> 
<laughs> will provide <laughs> that oh. exact service. Oh, yes. So I think we oh. say, you know, just a nice little bit of paper say congratulations on winning for the Project Studio Tea Break Country Song of the Year, for example. You have a 4.98 energy quotient. <laughs> Oh, heavy stock paper. That's a beautiful idea. Okay, this one needs to get mould. <laughs> Speaking of which, oh yeah, we have concrete proof of our massive media draw <gasps> from last month's episode. Oh my gosh, have we got more press releases? <laughs> no, no, it's not that concrete. Oh, that was really fun. <laughs> but no, I just surfed back to uh, Rebecca Angels for what it's worth. Oh yeah, and it now has nine hundred and fifty-six views. It's the PSTB effect. Yeah, the PSTB army out in force. Mm -hmm. Gosh, are we abusing our power? It's a, it's a little bit like a goldfish abusing their power. <laughs> Below a certain threshold, is it abusable? But... <laughs> Of all the things we could have sent people to. Incidentally, the country song we keep referencing as the obvious one of the year is Breaking More Hearts Than Mine. Yes. Just in case you unforgivably missed an episode, I realised we hadn't said. Yeah. So wait, the artist whose name you've just said and I've already forgotten, what's her name? The Rebecca Angel. So, Rebecca Angel. <laughs> Mike, do you know what this means? Awfully, do you know what this means? What? It means that the terrible PR people who made the mm. unjustifiable decision of sending her press release to us mm -hmm. made the right call. That's a solid 100 views. That's a 10%, <laughs> higher than 10% uptick in views because we didn't really like it but recommended listening to it just as a way of recentering your ears. I don't know. I mean, I wonder whether you're confusing correlation with causation here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. We've, we have abused our vast power. Now, I was already complaining about how unjust it somehow feels that Billie Eilish at the tender age of 19 has seven Grammys. <laughs> It's, it's a bit silly. But, you know, I kind of have to say, oh, well, you know, Michael Jackson was selling massive numbers of records as a kid and Mozart was touring Europe as a six-year-old and mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, well, you know, every generation has these people and you'd like to try and soften the sense of your own life ebbing away from you by assuming <laughs> that they must have some horrendous lifestyle <laughs> and that they won't really be happy on their bed of money. On their yacht. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no. I was cheered, however, Oh yeah. that no matter how many Grammys she wins, she'll never be as precocious as this month's news story. Ooh, what a delicious way in. How young do you think the youngest ever person to release an album is? I would be amazed if a Southern Californian couple with some sort of connection to the music industry hadn't recorded the gurglings of their newborn or the heartbeat of their in utero child mm. and released that as an album. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I, however low the lowest age that can be imagined is, I'm sure there is an album credited to someone of that age. Well, I believe the youngest person on a charting record used to be Stevie Wonder's kid ah. on Isn't She Lovely? <laughs> Wait. Used to be? Well, I mean, this record hasn't charted, but we have news this week of the new artist Luca Yupanqui. Okay. Who is a daughter of the uh, bass player Elizabeth Hart mm -hmm. and her musical collaborator and husband, Ivan Diaz Matei, I think that's how you pronounce it, or Matei. Amazing. Who formed the duo Tierra del Fuego. And um, this is actually a, an album that was created by their unborn daughter. Gorgeous. 
In utero. Oh, okay. And what exactly, what was the creative process like? No, of course there are questions. Yes, this is my first one. Well, my initial thought had been, yeah, whatever, stick a couple of contact mics on the bump and record the heartbeat, exactly like you said. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but no. No, 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 no. (laughs) This kid played the synths on the record. (gasps) Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Via a... uh, MIDI biodata sonication device. <laughs> specially, specially invented by some guy called Sam Cusamano. Okay. Uh, this is reading from the information about this device. Straight from the source. By attaching electrodes to the leaves of a plant or the skin, fluctuations in galvanic conductance will produce MIDI notes, which are transmitted on a configurable MIDI channel. Mm-hmm. Through sampling pulse widths and identifying fluctuations, MIDI note and control messages are generated. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's pictures of Elizabeth Hart with these two, like, sensors on her bump. Amazing. And presumably that generated a a bunch of MIDI data. Mm -hmm. To quote the couple, uh, we designed a ritual, a kind of joint meditation for the three of us, (laughs) with the MIDI devices hooked to Elizabeth's stomach, transcribing its vibrations into Ivan's synthesizers. They let the free-form meditations flow without much interference, just falling deeper into trance and feeling the unity. After five hour-long sessions, the shape of an album began to emerge. (laughs) Elizabeth and Ivan then edited and mixed the results of the sessions, respecting the sounds as they were produced, Uh trying to intervene as little as possible, allowing Luca's message to exist in its raw form. Yeah. And basically, that's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, oh God, I'm so glad you said it. That's 100% bullshit. I started with wide-eyed enthusiasm. (laughs) I ended with a sneer. Just every word pulled that corner of my mouth up a little bit higher. Yeah. And all of the sciencey sounding description of how you can generate random MIDI notes from... It sounds a lot like one of those L'Oreal commercials which end up with the words visibly more radiant. <laughs> the beautiospheres <laughs> penetrate deeply yes. and care for each skin cell individually. Couldn't say it better. Oh. I mean, look. From a purely experiential point of view, I'm glad that they were able to involve the pregnancy in their music making. I'm hoping it sounds great. But to pretend Looper's message, that's where they 100% lost me. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, listen to this. Again, quoting, Elizabeth and Ivan mixed the album in 2020. Luca, now an infant, sat in the studio with them while they worked. Her awareness of what was happening was astounding. She would open her eyes wide and stare at her parents, seemingly recognising her own sounds from the womb, knowing that they were revisiting those rituals that made them come together as one. Those mixing sessions were technically the first time Luca had heard her own music, but her reaction made it clear that that wasn't really the case. She'd already lived it. (laughs) Now, hold on. One cotton-picking moment. I have so many questions, but it feels like we've really skipped a step. Okay. The only description of her behaviour was she opened her eyes wide and she looked at her parents. Yes. That's what's alleged to have happened. I'm happy to believe it. Mm -hmm. From that, we can ascertain. (laughs) All the rest of the stream of bullshit, yes. Were you, as a parent yourself, were you upset that having not co-produced an album in utero with your child, that your infants never opened their eyes wide and looked at you? <laughs> Given as how it's, it is broadly known that this is the only way to elicit such remarkable behaviour. I mean, to be honest, a kid opening its eyes wide and staring at you can mean a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in this case, it might as well be that the child has filled his nappy. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, this is me out of my depth, so I could be off here. 
But what the sensors measure is galvanic conductivity. Yeah. They were on the mother's skin. So they're measuring her skin conductivity. I don't know what they're measuring. That's not even affected by the random movements of the baby. How did the child have any kind of connection between what it was doing and what was coming out at the end of the thing? I, I, I mean, how can you call that a creative process? Yeah. There's so much wrong with this. There is so much wrong with this. And how can we tell? How can we tell that what they got was what the kid intended? Even what the kid did. How do we know they didn't just roll a die and write the numbers down as MIDI notes? I have a suspicion that I, as an adult, would be incapable of playing this instrument in any meaningful sense, hmm. of making any decisions, pushing it in any direction, hmm. because I don't believe I can consciously control my galvanic skin conductivity. Yeah, but John, that's because you've lost your childlike <laughs> pre-birth innocence. That's what it is. Hmm. From the mouths of babes. <laughs> oh, my, my word. I mean, the album's only out in April. 4th of April, I think. Okay. But they've already released their debut single. <laughs> it's called The 4.3 Part 2. Okay. Now, if I were going to ask you to characterise the kind of soundscape that you might expect a bunch of in utero movements translated into MIDI, triggering a bunch of random synths to sound like, can you paint me a kind of an emotional picture of what you're imagining? What, what kind of scene might it underscore? So this is Luca, isn't it? It is. So what we've grown to expect from Luca... Um, <laughs> from her existing oeuvre, or earth. <laughs> she, she is an earth, that's the problem. Um, he's, well, he's a certain amount of playfulness, but not without edge. No, what, what I would expect is something that sounds like a Max MSP patch... You can barely see anything for all the patch cables drawn all over it. Mm. I'd, I'd expect random noise. Now, of course, random noise, which can be sent to a specific number of synths and can be quantized for time and can be quantized for pitch. So some variation on a bleep, bloop, blop, bleep, like Doctor Who sounds. Yeah. Early Doctor Who sounds. I mean, my characterization of it, because of course I had to have a listen. Of course. Is imagine, if you will... Deckard, creeping around a dusty, deserted house. <laughs> it's the soundtrack to that. Oh, my word. Do you think that Vangelis is upset that they've published his secret? <laughs> also, where does Vangelis get all the pregnant women from? This is, you are right, this is 100% Blade Runner music. And it's had 74,000 listens, which incidentally is more than anything I could see that the parents duo Tierra del Fuego has achieved. <laughs> 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 Just thought I had a certain delicious irony to it. Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to listen to this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not just now, because I am a seasoned professional. I like the Blade Runner soundtrack. But ask yourself this. If I had played you something, anything, from Generative FM, would you have batted an eyelid? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It literally sounds no better or worse than anything off Generative FM. Yeah, which is stunning website. And shockingly enough, the second record from the album doesn't <sighs> sound any better. Wait, they've released two singles. Okay, what's the second one called? The latest one is V2.2. Okay. The difficult sophomore single release. This feels like exactly the music that lo-fi hip-hop was invented as a reaction against. <laughs> it's basically same bullshit, different day. It really is. It feels like they may well have just recorded an hour and then snipped it into... And I'm skipping through, I think. It's very hard to tell. <laughs> it works for what it is. This is ambient glitch synth. This is mm. Blade Runner. Like I would absolutely put this on 
in the background of an apathetic orgy. <laughs> <laughs> an eyes half shut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yeah, no, this is cyberpunk lullabies. Yeah. I don't mind it. Mm. I don't share their belief that this is by Luke. I mean, I think you could do the same thing with a plant. Yes, absolutely. You could do the same thing by just waving the thing around in the air, frankly. Who would know? But here's the question, though. <laughs> Let's say they did it with their favourite houseplant. Yeah. And exactly this same album came out. Mm. Given that it could have come from anywhere... Why not make it a tribute to your child? Yeah. And a huge weight over their head that they will never create an album that sells as well. <laughs> as, Indeed. You know. Yeah, I mean, it could just as easily be a curse as a blessing. Mm -hmm. But I, the thing that I wonder with something like this, I mean, this has generated a massive amount of publicity. And actually, I ask myself, is this ready to sell records? Yeah. It's not like she could tour. <laughs> There's not much she could do to generate revenue here. There's no revenue in this. And so my, I'm kind of sniffing around for like, okay, where's the money here? And I think I have a theory. Okay, hit me. If you head over onto the album's page on the record company's site, mm. the Sacred Bones record label, you go onto the product page, mm -hmm. and there's quite a lot about this MIDI biodata sonification device. That I was gonna ask, yeah. And so I've dutifully, as the, the trusty news hound that I am, followed the link to the MIDI biodata sonication device page yep. to discover that it's only $200 uh. on pre-order. Oh, <laughs> and the opening line on the product page is own the same device used by Luca and Elizabeth. Yes! I think this is just a massive marketing campaign for the MIDI biodata sonication device at $200. This is their Kickstarter and half their product pictures are of Elizabeth posing like Venus from the waves with these two electrodes. Yep. Ah. How's that for childhood innocence? <laughs> it's not a bad point. Doesn't matter how young you go, you'll never take the industry out of music industry. Oh. <laughs> God, that's a that's grim. Record companies will always be exploiting their artists no matter how young they are. No matter how young you go. Oh. I'm looking through it to try to get any sense of how it works. Mm. You got MIDI information being sent. So that's start note, end note, pitch, velocity. I don't know if it goes any further. I think there's a controller as well you could do. Okay, great. And actually you can get a specially modified one that will send out a CV. Uh. <laughs> uh, features include threshold scaling, control number, and control voltage using PWN through an RC low pass filter. I don't know how this... No, God. <laughs> if you're good at fiddling with synths, yeah. then something good will come out. Why put it on a plant, though? Max MSP is free, last time I checked. Um, <laughs> random number generators are, are free. I was fascinated when I was a bit younger about this idea of trying to pull music from data sources, mm. essentially. And there have been a couple that worked. The Science Museum in London had an incredible exhibition mm. which would just pull text at random from different public message boards online yeah. and then auto-tune them into huge choral oh, wow. what's-its. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. But I, I suppose that worked because the compositions were just composed by composers. Yeah. And they input the text in. I have trouble enough with music that sounds like it was just jammed anyway. <laughs> Even when it's people who have some musical skills. Yeah. Especially by a jam, who, by a, a being who has yet to develop any, any kind of craft at all. Yeah, uh, any intentionality. For me, this record comes entirely from their synth choice. Yes. 
It's like, give me a bunch of MIDI data and I will make you any record. There you go. Or, or at the very least, a pad that could go underneath <laughs> any record. Yeah. Okay, here's what I want. If they believe what they say they believe, yeah. take that MIDI data and just put it into a piano synth. That's all you get. Mm. And play me that. Because there, you know, we can hear the intentionality. <laughs> Maybe that's a new album that's going to be coming out. So the album's called Sounds of the Unborn. Surely there's going to be a Sounds of the Unborn unplugged version coming out. <laughs> It'll all be feeding an acoustic guitar <laughs> virtual instrument. Oh. Or a piano. I, actually, that's what Luca has got to do mm. when she's a little older, is just make like a James Taylor style <laughs> cover of. Kind of Eric Clapton unplugged performance. There you go, Sounds of the Unborn. Oh, fabulous. If they put that into a piano or a guitar or just... Some sort of synths that random MIDI signals wouldn't sound great through. Yes. Which they've done, and props to them, that's a skill that I don't have. Yeah. Then I, I don't know, I would respect the art a little bit more, because it would sound like they were trying to do what they're saying they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Still, all the news this month wasn't depressing. You sure? You know, while at the one end, it's a bit depressing finding all these incredibly young artists doing incredible stuff. <laughs> By way of contrast, there was exciting news of a metal enthusiast, mm. metal music enthusiast. Oh, yeah? Um, who basically found an ingenious solution to a problem that I think gives hope to us all, no matter how far along we are in our careers. Do tell. You see, he had a problem, and his problem was that his uncle Philip had died 20 years ago and donated his bones to a local college for educational purposes. Okay. But recently, they returned them to him. Right. Because they had no further use for them. The course had finished or whatever. Okay. And he's of uh, Greek extraction, and his Greek family really weren't happy with the idea of him cremating them. Because mm. apparently this is against their kind of orthodox religious beliefs. Okay. He didn't want to, like, rent a cemetery lot or just stick him in a box and stick him in the attic. No. And so he figured that this was the same uncle who had introduced him to metal music many years before. And he thought, well, I'd quite like to honour the guy who originally got me into this passion of mine. So, of course, he did the logical thing. Oh, my word. My imagination is going <laughs> wild at this moment. And made him into a guitar. Yeah, that's what I thought. Wow, wow. The very first metal guitar made out of a human skeleton. <laughs> oh, my word. And brilliantly named the Skelecaster. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it made its way onto our radar. It ended with a brilliant pun. I mean, it's musical immortality. One has this hope of musical continuation beyond one's death. <laughs> the thought that one could be made into a xylophone in the future. Or <laughs> I'm looking at this guitar. It's the most metal thing you've ever seen. It is tremendous, isn't it? Yeah. And what a beautiful tribute. Yes. Like <laughs> I mean, to quote the guy, it proved to be challenging. I did a lot of research and no one's ever made a guitar out of a skeleton, so I did it. <laughs> I started out consulting with two guys in Dean's Guitar Woodshop in Tampa, but they got cold feet. <laughs> Anyways, now Uncle Philip can shred for all eternity. That's how he'd want it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super proud of the project and how it serves to honour him, his life and his influence on me. Uh, did you see the video? Amazing. It sounds exactly as you'd hoped that it would. Oh, yeah. On that same page, though, I couldn't help but notice my favourite quote about the whole thing from the man himself. <laughs> At first, my mother said it was sacrilegious and the work of the devil. You know how mums are. You know how mums are. No. In this context, I don't. I, also, have, you, have you seen how, what this guy is going by? No, I don't think so. Prince Midnight. Prince Midnight. <laughs> Which I think would be an overblown name for 
anyone else. But with this guy, I am super ready to give it to him. <laughs> what an incredible instrument. Please look up a photo of this guitar listener. In order to play, your, your picking hand has to reach inside the rib cage. It's incredible. I am so disappointed in the guitar workshop guys who got cold feet on this one. <laughs> You're an embarrassment to your craft. I mean, in a way, I'd say the mother's quote is the fitting epitaph. It's the work of the devil. I mean, isn't that what every metal guitarist would want? <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? I do wonder if it would just like catch on fire if you tried to play bossa nova on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm very, very curious now, or if it would just kind of refuse, the strings would break yeah. in that moment. God, it looks so cool. I mean, it's a shame that the, the skull wasn't there because then you could kind of get the skull clacking its teeth at you. <laughs> that might have been a step too far for me. Not that it shouldn't be done. I, just, I mean, the legs, I noticed the legs aren't part of it. I don't know. Yeah, those are going to be the drumsticks. I mean... In theory, you can build a band here. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> you could. I mean, so you've got the vocalist mic stand. <gasps> oh, my God. The skull as a sort of mic case. So you're singing into the mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. The mic word. coming out of the mouth. So cool. <laughs> so metal. So weird. What a way to be immortalised. If your human remains were going to be uh, instrumentified, mm. what, what instrument would you fancy? I mean, if you really wanted to annoy people after your death, you'd make yourself into wind chimes? <laughs> you think? I mean, I think you're doing whoever's doing the quote-unquote transformation a favour, as all they've got to do is sort of <laughs> hang them up near each other. Yeah, that's true. So that's generous. I mean, if you, like, size-sorted them, you could get most of them a marimba, I would have thought. Mm, you could just do the Lion King thing <laughs> um, of, of xylophone on a skeleton. The circle of death. Here we go. I mean, you could get a great pair of timpani mallets, couldn't you? You'd want Tycho to be played with your thigh bones, wouldn't you? Yeah, that would be pretty cool. See, this is what making music with people who are unable to... This is what it should look like. This guy could have done exactly the same thing. He could have popped two electrodes on. Yes, rattled them. And rattled and pretended. Mm. But no, he didn't. He made the most metal electric guitar ever to be constructed. <laughs> Which brings us now to facepalm. Now, Mike, I suppose in the last year or so, I have mastered the art of living. <laughs> and so fear that I may have palmed my last face. Uh, wow. Fortunately, though, I have a rich vault decades deep to delve <laughs> into. So, so today we're going to wander backwards a little bit to... Um, a vintage. A vintage one. But, you know, as with all vintages, they grow stronger with age. The oldies are the goodies. This is the kind of wakes me up at 4am in a cold sweat. Oh, yeah, those ones. <laughs> and it doesn't involve me touching an instrument or singing at all. Oh. So I guess I was about 20 or 21. Mm -hmm. Oh, just the other day then? Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. In three weeks from now. <laughs> um, and I was asked to compare a new music night, new bands. Right. Which was really fun. And this is a great underground, no-nonsense venue that sadly no longer exists. All oh, right. But the, the shape of this night was very particular because they wanted to get five or six different bands through. Mm. And you got to play one song and you used the house amps and the house kit. Ah, yes. It was all instrumental music, so there were no vocal mics, which actually becomes relevant. All right, okay. They had a little backstage area where the bands were waiting and then I came on and I had a little chat. Mm. And 
And the evening, I thought, went great. These were new bands, mostly young bands. We're talking average player age, somewhere between 15 and 20. Okay, right. Which is sort of the, the idea of the night. It's like, what's... what's... Proto-Eilishes. There you go. <laughs> Musicians with barely a couple of Grammys to their name. To rub together. Yeah, there you go. And I thought the whole evening was going great until... The, I think it was the second to last band um, actually stayed on stage after their last song. Okay. And as I came up and, you know, I said, hey, is everything okay? And the guitarist was like, yeah, no, sure. Can I, can I just have a quick? And he was like, hi, thanks so much for listening. This is really fun. Just to say, we're actually not the band name you were told with this other name. And I looked at my notes and I, and I was like, oh, I'm so, so, I'm so sorry. And went to take the mic and he said, actually, none of the bands have been correctly named so far. <laughs> And bear in mind, this is not information I am receiving off stage. This is information I am receiving in front of about 150 people. My one job, the the reason this was given to some random Brit who knew the promoter is that it was not a complex job. It's not a difficult job I was being asked to do. They didn't realise your deep well of talent. They didn't realise how badly this job could be screwed up. So... I apologise to them and I, and I come down and the next band comes on and I check with them their name and I, and I announce them. And then... <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, there's more. The second helping's well, great. Well, yes, Go on, but, please. Well, because now I realise this is very much a place to be seen. Yeah. And I have categorically screwed that up. You've been seen. <laughs> for all the bands that came before. Oh, no. So I thought, well, how on earth do I make this right? And... I, you know, I, I didn't is probably the, uh, the most, the most honest way of putting it. I went backstage and I got all the correct names of the bands in the correct order. Yeah. And I got one representative of each band to kind of come out after the last one. Ah. And, oh, it was all right in the end. M- made a bit of a game of it. So I, I kind of got them to say their name and I made the audience say it back to me. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I said, no, really pay attention because there will be a test. Because then I mixed around the order that they were standing in. Oh. And I did a test on the audience. So I pointed at the person they had to say the band name. Good. And we did that until they got it right. Because I felt so bad. Well, I mean, I can understand. But it, what a, that was a great <laughs> get out, though. To gamify it. It was fun in the end. And we all, we all had a good laugh at John. But I just... I I still think sometimes about the experience of coming on, ready to play your first gig, second gig ever. Your potential breakout performance. There you go. As a different band. (laughs) And have yourself announced as a name that wasn't you. Okay, occasionally I do, as host claim force majeure or whatever it's called <laughs> and i'm gonna muscle in and ask my own question for q a which is jump the long long queue of questions barge them out of the way with my sharp elbows mm-hmm. seeing as we've been dealing with the grammys and looking down the whole grammy list and just thinking some of the categories are so random like your best liner notes and your best packaging best immersive audio which is the one that <laughs> incidentally was the one award they couldn't award really because presumably they couldn't get anyone into an immersive audio space without uh, breaching COVID restrictions <laughs> but then you get these random categories tucked way down the list hmm. and it led me to think well what Grammy categories should there be that there aren't yet oh okay hmm best elevator music <laughs> <laughs> Best storefront compilation. Now, 
One that has become incredibly relevant. Okay. Most catchy seven-second snippet from. <laughs> uh, yes. An ironically uncatchy title. I guess it's best hook, isn't it? Could be, yeah. But we want best hook totally out of context of the rest of the song. This has to just work. Best 15-second snippet? I mean, given how valid TikTok is now. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, you know, they have best song, best album. Yeah. You could have best 15-second snippet and song with the most 15-second snippets in it. Yes. <laughs> song with the most 15-second snippets in it. The person who delivers that award has to be very good at tongue twisters. 15-second <laughs> snippet in it. Like, you can just imagine them in the wings practising around and around and around. It's kind of like a condensed album. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I mean, you'd kind of want their acceptance speech to have to be really short as well. I'd like to thank God and the... And that's it. It makes me wonder how deep we can go. If you've got best album, best song, best 15-second snippet, best upbeat, <laughs> best symbol hit. I mean, shouldn't there be best conductor? There absolutely should, yes. We've accidentally had a good idea here. You have your awards for the music, mm. and you have your awards for the performers. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got instrumental solo, you've got arrangers, but you don't have the musical directors in there. You don't have the people waving their arms around. That's very, very true. We've been robbed. You have the engineering Grammys? They have packaging, for heaven's sake. Oh, okay, okay. In a world where more and bigger and louder is often being rewarded, yeah. maybe we need an award for most tasteful restraint. <laughs> you know, songs that absolutely could have gone a certain way, but just didn't. Most restrained production. Most restrained songwriting. <laughs> a least production Grammy. <laughs> yes! Basically the one that Jacob Collier will be guaranteed never to be nominated for. <laughs> this is all I want to do. You're still smarting, I can see. You didn't even take the mics out of their cases. You just sort of <laughs> plugged them in to a cheap recorder and wandered off. But wasn't that Britney Howard's record? <laughs> sounded a bit like that. Grammys that Jacob Collier wouldn't win is an interesting angle. <laughs> because, I mean, goodness knows how many he's got now. Oh, yeah, crumbs. He's got a bit of a collection as well. Barely room for his toothbrush. <laughs> Did you have a listen to, I mean, I'm assuming it was for All Night Long that he won. A cover? Yes, of, oh, God, who was it? Um, All Night Long, that one. Lionel Richie. There we go. Right. And he reharmonized it and added an orchestra and a horn section and Take Six, the incredible gospel band Take Six. Many, many, many more notes than were originally there. <laughs> However, did you know? Uh, <laughs> and triads on triads on triads. Yes. On triads. Mm. Underdog awards are always good fun. Okay. Most surprisingly good. <laughs> you know, something that has the biggest reason to be bad. Yes. Next to its actual quality. Yeah. This is not necessarily the best song. It's just the one that has risen above its circumstances the most. I mean, again, actually, to be honest, I think Ingrid Andrus could have been in that in with that award. Yeah, I just want to make categories that she would win. I mean, I was writing that up for Mixed Review this week. Oh, nice one. And was marvelling, actually, at how pretty much every arrangement cliche you could you could make has been ticked off <laughs> but it's but you listen to it and you don't mind no I sh i've got to do a word for word on that yeah you do i want to spend a few hours just like thinking about yeah. every single line let's see if we can work the same magic that we worked on rebecca angel for, for ingrid here get her a whole extra hundred views you're welcome ingrid the song one more time is breaking more hearts than mine. Oh, I think it's just more hearts than mine, in fact. Is it? Damn it. Memorable. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, it must be because that's like the old country redirect of you think you know what the song is going to be. Yes. Oh, God, it's good. Oh, speaking of country songs, yeah. just as an aside, please. You know that gag the guy did about vaccine, vaccine, vaccine? Yes, vac the, the Jolene. You know, when Dolly Parton funded vaccine research. Well, when she got vaccinated, 
She sang it. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> Dolly, we don't deserve you. To encourage people to get vaccinated. What a star. <laughs> what a class act. Totally. Um, her family growing up was very poor, and one of her favourite stories to tell about it hmm. was that she'd often sleep three or four to a bed with her siblings. Yeah. And, of course, the little ones, sometimes they'd just pee on you. But you didn't much mind because it was pretty cold. <laughs> sometimes she thought that was the only time they felt warm. Uh, <laughs> Pretty charming story about urination as they go. And I don't have many of those no. in my roster. No. Okay, here's a genuine category I would love to put in. Okay. Which is most rewards a deep listen. Oh, wow, yeah. Something which if you just sit and you try and follow the baseline or you try and follow the pads and yeah. has got just the most... Mwah, the deepest music release of the year. The, yeah, the deepest listen. Wow. Is a prize I would like to see. Yeah, and it would be a nice balance to the best 15 seconds. <laughs> yes, there you go. If we're going to have one, we need to have the other. The kind of spiritual opposite. Yeah, the yin to the yang. Okay, maybe, we, maybe there's more of these. What would be the spiritual opposite to jazz improvisation? Oh, and wait, I've got it. Best rhythm section performance. Yeah, actually, that should be one. Because wasn't there that record where I actually prefer the rhythm section to the lead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they, they need some love, the rhythm section. <laughs> they do. I mean, have you come across the band Wolfpack? Yeah, well, we've featured them on the podcast in the past. Of course we have. And their, their whole shtick from the beginning was, what if it was just the rhythm section? <laughs> <laughs> and then they started like, bringing guest vocalists, but yeah. the feature of every single song they've ever done is the rhythm section. Yeah. Incidentally, their whole Madison Square Garden concert is up on YouTube. Oh, right. Wow. And is absolutely packed. And just the musicianship on that stage is stunning. Yeah. And the fact that the way they decided to film it is one guy with a camcorder <laughs> yeah. wandering around the stage, like going wherever he fancies and pointing at It's Lovely. Just that visual style has done them so well. I'm sure they could have got cranes and booms yes. and stuff, and they've just got one person with a camcorder. <laughs> at, at different points, members of the band, if they're not in the next song, will just grab the camcorder and have a go. Oh, wow. And it's a single, uncut, start to finish. Russian arc style. Yeah. And it's all the better for it. And so as we head into our What's Your Jam segment, of course, we can't have jam without really the only toast foley that we could possibly have on this occasion. Oh, yeah? As long as I'm here. Oh, wow. No one can hurt you. <laughs> no one can but you can learn to <laughs> If I can change The way that you raise yourself The one way you want to They don't deserve you okay. <laughs> Yeah, get yourself a drink of water I reckon you've earned that So it's just I am nothing if not I hope a... you're taking advantage of this This may be the only time you get to talk uninterrupted for a while <laughs> That was a superhuman feat. Oh, dear. I am nothing if not a deeply principled man, so I tabbed away from the video <laughs> so that I wouldn't see what the thing was. And I, and I could, you know, we could play the game of guessing. I just had to tab back almost immediately because I had to see this process. I'm not sure my computer keyboard will ever be the same. No, I don't imagine it will be. <laughs> Mike, talk me through the process of, um, of that decision that you've made. <laughs> Rehearsing for that. Yeah. I can, give you, I can give you the perfect reason why. I decided if the two possible forfeits were available, <laughs> then I would choose that one. 
Basically because my children threatened to disown me if I did a TikTok dance video of any type. Ah, <laughs> oh, gravest shame. But I mean, talk about an amateur. I didn't even get through the whole slice. <laughs> you, you, I think you were working at capacity. You see, that's what Billie Eilish has over me. <laughs> the ability to take her toast. You can hardly tell. That was excellent and brilliant. I'm glad to have been alive in this exciting audio time. Never to be repeated. Well, I mean, let's see how you do in next year's Grammys. That's <laughs> all I have to say about that. Gosh, my mouth feels dry just listening to you. Right. Tugging the inert form of the podcast back on track, you know, as best I can. <laughs> that level of toast surely needs some jam. And so what I'm bringing you this month is the newest album from M83. Now, if you know M83, it's probably from their breakaway single, Midnight City. Okay. A super upbeat synth pop number, which finishes with a screaming sax solo. All right. It's a great song. It's wonderful modern pop, and it has one of those hooks, which is so annoying in electronic music, that you want to sing along to, but it's a heavily processed tuned vocal, so it's almost... Im- <laughs> yeah, which uh, will quite quickly get you kicked out of all sorts of occasions. <laughs> yeah, which is unfair because, as I say, it, it's impossible not to sing along to it. Mm. We've talked in the past about what huge success does to bands and how it can lead to irresponsible kind of passion projects that really oughtn't to be made, let alone released. Yeah, but this, for me, this is a wonderful example of what can happen when expectations just float off the shoulders of a band because. DSVII. Okay. I guess Digital Shades Volume 2, the, the album before that was Digital Shades Volume 1, but no, just DSVII. Zvi. Mm. Um, I mean, you have to say it like that, don't you? Zvi. Yes, I think you do. I mean, isn't it actually on a matter pick? A lot of the synths are going Zvi. I want to believe that's why it is. It's just gorgeous. Mm. And I think it's one of those rare occasions where knowing the background of it actually makes the music all the more beautiful. You know when people talk about, oh, those warm-sounding analogue synths? Mm -hmm. This is what they're referring to, I think. I could not agree more. It's like a warm bath, the way these synth textures kind of fit together. It's lovely. What kind of vintage is this? When's this from? 2019. Wow. And yet it sounds almost like it's late 80s era. Okay, I'm so glad to hear you say that. In fact, it could be 70s, actually, thinking about it. It's got that kind of warmth. Wholeness. Like it's, ah. Yeah. And it takes its time. Track one starts with a full minute of barely audible drone. There's a Grammy category waiting to happen, isn't it? (laughs) Barely audible drones. They've got best new age, so it's only a small step. Did you, as as a young man, Mm. ever play sort of the early adventure games, early Zelda, I suppose I'd put the first Pokemon games into that same sort of thing. Okay. Very early video games. Mm-hmm. Once they've just gone past climb the ladder, throw the barrel, and we're actually trying to tell stories, hero stories, adventure stories. Yeah. This album is inspired by that, and it's been ah. described by the band, I think, as a soundtrack for a game that never existed. Oh, wow, cool. But they could have gone 8-bit. They could have kind of recreated the sound, which if you go back and listen to these sounds, is of course all incredibly thin and piercing. And Yeah. What I think they've managed to recreate, though, is the feeling of being a 10-year-old. That kind of nostalgic thing of old-fashioned computer games. Yes, I totally get that, yeah. It's 
so nostalgic. And it's when you're fully in the world of the game, what it feels like to hear these, you know, horrible, thin, 8-bit thingies. <laughs> it's what your mind extrapolates from them. Yes. It's the full THX movie version of your imagination while you're playing the game. Yeah. One thousand percent so a lot of the songs are really just one short phrase repeated over and over again but they've arranged it through yeah into something warm and rich and strange and mm. for me at any rate it's a transportative album it takes me to a alien world i just can't wait to explore and it's weird when something is so kind of retro and yet it's not retro yes it feels like it's more retro than the things that happened at the time <laughs> More early 80s than the early 80s. Yeah. It is, you you would not be surprised, recorded using only analogue equipment. To be honest, I almost thought it might have been uh, created by Luca Yapanqui before she was even (laughs) conceived. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a lot of it, which could well have been. (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't put it past her. She's precocious like that. Yes, I reckon she is. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, this has been my jam this month, and I've given it a couple of full album listens while I've been doing other things. Mm. That's a little under an hour long. It's all, well, it's not technically all instrumental, because there's one of the trio of the band whose whole job is vocals, Mm. but there's nothing that you could swear on a Bible was a voice. Right. Uh, It's all processed past... um, So basically, he's not responsible for vocals, he's responsible for vocal. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's the difference between chickens and chicken. That You know, you can have several kilos of chicken. wonderful. You see, is it one of those albums that you have specifically for those occasions where it's not so much that you're listening to the music as you just want that mood yes in your life it's exactly it's a mood piece and I mean mood music as a descriptor has a bad rap Mm. but I have a lot of time for that kind of thing music that makes a mood for you I cannot imagine any song on this album being covered not because it's too hard just I don't know what the point would be yeah because you'd be losing the bit that was the point. Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit like Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa. <laughs> Unless you're going to improve the baseline, which you're not. Yeah. Why would you touch it? And so, as all good things must, and I guess most bad things do as well... <laughs> We must come now to to a close. Um, And thank you so much for joining us today. We do, though, have time. We will make time to thank our sponsor. As we should. As we should, as I feel we are, what you could even say, legally obligated to do. (laughs) Mike, uh, who who do these thanks go out to this month? Well, we have the company Soft Peripherals. Oh, yes. Who have correctly recognised that we've kind of been missing a trick Mm. with the whole uh, software revolution. Okay. You know, pretty much everything that is an instrument that creates a sound Mm -hmm. has been made into a virtual instrument now. So you don't need to be out there in the world to have drums, to have strings. This is so true. You know, your whole studio now is in software. Mm -hmm. You've got your recording, you have your editing, your mixing, all your processing, and you can send all the audio out of your DAW straight over Bluetooth into your headphones. So you're almost going digitally into your own brain with it. This is very true. But of course, there's been a craving amongst musicians for the reality of the old hardware systems. The grit. Exactly. And so, of course, everyone's been modelling, you know, compressors and equalizers and old consoles and lovely mics and sampling the LSO and... Ocean Way drums, Mm-mm. but they've missed a key point in the chain. Oh no. Because, of course, part of what made some of those classic instruments and records, particularly from the late 90s, early 2000s, made them sound the way they did 
was the audio interfaces they used to record them. <laughs> and so soft peripherals have decided that they're going to model these uh, old audio interfaces so that now even your audio interface can be in software. <laughs> <laughs> You can choose from uh, modelled old uh, Pro Tools 16-bit interfaces, <laughs> early mark of the unicorn. God, it's true what they say. We, we live in an age of wonders. <laughs> ah. So uh, thanks very much to Soft Peripherals. For... Gosh, we should be paying them. Uh, this is truly, truly groundbreaking. And if you also would like to uh, support our fiercely independent podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Keep us out from under the thumb of big tech. Check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash projectstudiotbreak for, well, all sorts of exciting extras such as mm. paralytic subsonic worms and our own special kind of slow living. Oh, a fine vintage. You can also get in touch with us if you've got any questions, comments, uh, spare words. Or if, like Rhino L, you just want to tell us that we should be pronouncing Nike as Nike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can. Hey, we'll have that fight. Yep. Then you can uh, tweet at us at twitter.com forward slash PSTB tweets or Facebook us at facebook.com forward slash PSTB books. And if you want to send us email abuse instead, you can get us at <laughs> tbreak at projectstudiotbreak.com. Absolutely you can. Now, is there anything you wanted to plug this month, John? There is absolutely nothing. Fingers crossed there'll be something exciting coming next month. Ooh. So I guess this month I'm plugging next month's plug. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just look out for this hot plug dropping in about a month's time. Yeah, you're kind of trailing the plug. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. I mean, yeah, yes. <laughs> well, I can make up for your lack of plugness with normal plugs. Oh, yeah? In that. Yes, please. Um, as I vaguely hinted at last month, I have just launched my very first online course. Oh, yes. And in fact, you inspired the title of the course the other day. How exciting. It's called the Mixer Magician's Toolkit. Wonderful. That's a good, that's a strong name. Go me. Basically, I've taken all my little tricks and dodges and whatever from doing all the Mix Rescue re remixes over the years mm. and kind of condensed them all into one place. Amazing. And basically, the goal is to try and get it so that you can do things that seem as if they're impossible. Where can people find that? Head over to cambridge-mt.com slash magic and you'll find all the details there. Oh, awesome. Good. In that case, until next month, uh, thank you so much for joining us for all our silliness and um, we'll look forward to seeing you then. Ta-ra! Ta-ra, pets. Ta